a rich tradition. College Football Podcast is now live. Hello and welcome to a rich tradition college football podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Steltonpole. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. Roberto, we got a lot to get to and not a lot of time to do it. The Big Ten is kicking off. We got some news, some overreactions, some picks. It's happening all right here on A Rich Tradition. Roberto, how are you, my friend? I didn't say how, how are you last time, and it felt weird, so I'm going to start again. How are you? I'm doing very well. This has been a great week so far. I'm really super excited about this weekend because the Big Ten is about to start playing. It's like a whole other season of football getting started, and I'm super excited. So let's go ahead and get started because we don't have a lot of time. Okay, so... <laughs> oh, which news note, uh, LSU or Florida, do we want to jump on first? Uh, let's probably the better one is to go with LSU first because that's super quick. Because as we know, OBJ is a piece of crap, and we knew he was lying just like LSU was lying. Um, but you go ahead and give the story. Yes, yeah, so uh, LSU is self imposing penalties for rule violations and hoping the NCAA doesn't levy more, which is the whole point of self imposing penalties. The school is docking itself eight football scholarships over a two-year period and reducing uh, recruiting visits, evaluations, and communications for a nearly two-year investigation uh, after a two-year investigation uncovering booster payments to the father of a football player's uh, sources tell Sports Illustrated. So this isn't just the OBJ stuff. It's a, it's a little bit more than that. But uh, OBJ, the school is banning from its facilities for two years ex-LSU receiver and current NFL star Odell Beckham Jr., who distributed $2,000 worth of $100 bills during a wild scene that unfolded on the field following LSU's win over Clemson in the national championship game in New Orleans Superdome. So that's sort of the basis of everything. Yes, there is an issue with Odell Beckham Jr., but then there is the payments to the father of a football player as well. And uh, LSU is uh, going to hit themselves uh, with, uh, I guess, four scholarships over uh, uh, four scholarships each year for two years. Yeah, man. Um, so no one bought that he was handing out fake money when they said that, you know, after it happened. And this is not just OBJ saying this, like this was LSU saying it, that it was fake money. It wasn't real. It was like a publicity stunt. No one bought that. I'm glad that the truth has come out. Um, look, I, and you and I actually, like, we, we've been pretty liberal about this and open about this. We do not care about players getting paid, but there are certain rules and regulations that are blatantly need to be followed and handing out wads of cash after a national championship game on the field probably doesn't look the best. And, no, no, it doesn't. And so good for them. I'm glad he's gone. So now we don't have to worry about him handing out money anymore. Um, and then, you know, self-imposed sanctions are all, are te- something that teams do all the time. Georgia did it last year with some, like, I think there was some kind of, like, social media infringement they broke or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it it's so weird. Yeah, something very background, not a whole lot of real big. Um, I remember what you're talking about. Some people got fired over it as well, uh, if we're talking about the same thing. But, yeah, it was much more minor. But, yeah, self-imposed stuff happens all the time. And uh, this is LSU's. Uh, trying to, as a program, trying to say, hey, that was all Odell Beckham. We're taking responsibility for not keeping him in line, but, you know, come on, help, help us out here a little bit. We take responsibility. We're, we're hitting ourselves. And then the, the father part's another part I guess we can cover at another time when we read a little bit more up on that end of things. Yeah. And then the the Florida Gators, I just Dan Mullen gave a, a very, kind of like a very detailed press conference today and commented quite a bit on the COVID and all, all the stuff that's going on. And like the biggest news that I got from this, and Spencer, if you if you have anything else, man, go ahead and add it to it, please. But the fact that they are going to be a closed sports facility until next Monday, until yeah. this upcoming Monday. And no lifting, no running, no like no working out, no route running, no, no nothing. They, they like, you know, you know, people were saying, oh, man, you know, they're getting an extra, you know, an extra two weeks of a bye week. No, because in a bye week, you actually get to work on stuff and you get to tr- like they get to be get healthy for two weeks. But other than that, like that, this is going like I'm not saying they're going to beat Missouri, but I'm saying that this may hinder them in the weeks ahead 
because they're going to be essentially two weeks behind. Yeah, I mean, we saw Missouri put points on on LSU. So, I mean, if that defense doesn't have an opportunity to work then and improve and get better, maybe you get two weeks of film study through Zoom, maybe. But, you know, you got to still be able to go out and implement that on the field, and they don't get a chance to work on that. I think I read that you at least get three practices during a bye week, and then there's, uh, there's plenty of time to, you know, to rest and do things. Uh, but also, uh, I reached out to... Uh, David Waters of Gator Breakdown Podcast. If you're a big uh, a Florida Gator fan, check out the uh, the Gator Breakdown Podcast. And uh, David said they hadn't practiced since last Monday. So I mean, you're gonna go, you're gonna go two, you know, two, two full, weeks, full bro. weeks of two not doing weeks. anything. They can't. So, and, they're not, and, they're, and he even made it. He kind of made it clear, like they're not even doing like Zoom call stuff. Oh really? Yeah, was, like he he said oh. the team p- program is completely closed until next Monday. Yeah, and so if you and, and I guess at that point, if you're trying to rely on your athletes to work out on their own, it's still not the same as everybody being in the workout room together, pushing each other, and being under the supervision of your weightlifting coach. You know, you get out there and you're working on your own. You might not be lifting the same kind of weight because you're trying not to hurt yourself, uh, and then you're still not doing it with the right supervision. So you may be doing you know sloppy lifting. Uh, so yeah, it could be you know it could just get. And when I say sloppy, I mean there's a difference between my sloppy and a, and a football player sloppy. But point is, is you know you need that supervision to make sure you're doing it right, and then you need just the fuel of the rest of the team around you, kind of pushing and and helping out. And so yeah, this is a big issue. Maybe not for I think it'll be a big issue for Missouri, and then you know getting ready for Georgia, it'll be even bigger. Yeah, I um, also like something that we have to keep in mind as well is that. Um, who is going to be healthy to play in the Missouri game? Like, Mullen said that there was a new positive case as well this week, and he didn't say who. He said that he said the symptoms were minor, but still, like, like, like that. This just this isn't just going to go away. Like in two weeks, you know, like there's probably going to be someone else who gets it either by accident or by some other you know stupid. You know, however this thing spreads so fickle, you know, like it's it's probably going to happen again. And so, like, that's just something else we got to keep in mind moving forward. No, yeah, uh, and you know, it can happen either to Florida or it can happen to somebody else. And you know that that uh, you know on your schedule, and so that's going to hurt the the scheduling as well. So they've already had two games that have had to be moved. And yeah, I mean, and that's I guess the COVID world that we live in. This stuff can pop up at any point, and it could completely derail everything you're doing. And then you got to try to get back up on that horse in a short period of time and, and play big time college football. So um, I think at this point you can start to you can start to say things like, "Well, it's going to be hard to judge this Florida team going forward because they've just been hit with a wrecking ball." Yeah, like this this doesn't look good for them. Like, and look, I'm not saying oh the end is nigh or anything like that, but like I just with the cocktail party coming up and they're not practicing for two weeks. It's really hard for me to think that they that this is all of a sudden an upper hand for them. Oh yeah, sure. No, absolutely not. All right, uh, you want to get to overreactions? Let's do it. All right, you want to start us off, or you want me to start? Oh, I'll start. A um, and okay. M, Texas A and M is about to go nine and one the rest of the year. Mm. Yeah, they got past their sort of hangover game there against Mississippi State, which I guess the the Bulldogs right now don't don't offer a, a ton of resistance and. I don't have the uh, Texas A&M schedule in front of me, but I, I don't. I mean, you're writing that down for an overreaction, but that might not be. That might not be it. You know, I, let me rephrase. Excuse me. Let me rephrase. It'll certainly be interesting if Texas A&M is a top ten team at the end of the year, having to play LSU. You know, and LSU sort of in a spoiler kind of mode, and maybe they had Miles Brennan back, and that offense is still, you know, playing at a at a at a decent level. You know, maybe that's different. Who are they when they get up the board, and who are they when they get a a, a number next to their name, uh, a, a small number next to their name? So, yeah, you know it, that 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 could be the that could be the next big hurdle for them, closing out the season as a top ten, uh, as a top team. I mean, yeah, I I just don't know. I don't the SEC like my overreaction should have been like the SEC West is garbage outside of Bama, um, because I have no idea who's going to beat A and M now. Like I just have no clue. You think Arkansas could jump up and get them? 
you know, playing off emotion and playing off motivation is really good, and it works for a while. You look at Minnesota last year, but eventually you do run up against a team who is just vastly more talented than you are. Exactly what happened in Minnesota last year. Sure. And so, and so, I don't, I don't know, man. Like maybe, but like, if if you know, this may be the season where, uh, what's his name, um, Mond and Jimbo kind of start to right the ship. Now, you know, obviously Mond's gone after this year, but this could be a great help for Jimbo moving forward if he is able to go nine and one, and the only team he lost to is the potential national champions, Alabama. Yeah. No, it'll look great on his resume. It'll be, right. it'll be the, a defining year. All right, All right, so, yep. Speaking of coaches and sort of defining themselves uh, in, in new surroundings, Mac Brown in his second year. However, I've not been super pleased with them this season. So Mac Brown will finish his North Carolina career under 500. Hmm. I don't like their up and down. I don't like their swinging back and forth. And if teams like uh, Miami and uh, if a team like uh, Clemson continues to do what they're doing and maybe Florida State continues to build and and maybe Dave Doran is you know putting t- something together at uh, North Carolina State and Virginia and, and all these places just continue to build. I know some of those places don't look super great right now, but if they continue to build and Mac Brown continues to just be back and forth up and down roller coaster type deal, I don't like I don't like that as a sustainable um, sustainable model. You know, man, I don't know if I agree with this um, because I, th- I think, first of all, like, so what are you saying? Are you, th- are you saying that Matt Brown, like, you thinking of he'll he'll finish under 500, let's take off the years of him prior to being there, right? Like, let's talk about no, this. Yeah, yeah right the here. North Carolina career. So, so do, you think he, do you think he's going to be there, what, five, five or six more years? And that's why, like, what's the longevity you think Matt Brown has at UNC? That I know that might sound like a random question, but it has a purpose. What, what's no, no, the no, year? No, I, I thought about that. I'm thinking like over a total of like five years. So okay, I don't over, expect him to coach for too terribly much longer. Okay, so the the problem I have is Sam Howell. I don't think Sam Howell will will let his time at North Carolina be an under 500 team. And if I'm not mistaken, they've got a dude coming in this recruiting class. This recruiting class or the next one who may be more talented than Sam Howell. I look, they they got like anyone, everyone can say, look at the score. Dude, FSU beat the brakes off them dudes, and they were playing catch up in the second half. Right. Okay. Yeah. And North and, and FSU hadn't had a lead all year and they didn't know what to do with it. Like that's all that sure. was. <laughs> it, it had nothing it had nothing to do with like North Carolina, you know, getting the game right. No, it had everything to do with North Carolina like FSU not knowing what to do with themselves. And so, like, how about this? I, I, I'll say that that is a, a like, that's, that's a pretty big overreaction. But if, they right. lose, but if they lose another game outside of the big two against Notre Dame or Clemson, then I, I, may, I may join you in that. Because there's no other team on their schedule that should beat them outside of Clemson or Notre Dame. Well, right. And it's an overreaction for, obviously, yeah, just absolutely. the exercise. Um, I definitely have faith in uh, in the recruiting that Mac Brown is doing from a real real standpoint. The recruiting, obviously, Sam Howe is a big deal uh, as well. They got plenty of talent around the rest of that group. I just uh, the overreaction was to the loss uh, to Florida State. Yeah, a funky Florida State team. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, your your number uh, your number two overreaction. Oh, number two is that Liberty deserves to be ranked. Mm. Charlotte's number twenty five right now. I'll take Charlotte. I'll take Liberty. I'll take Liberty over anybody in the in the in, in, outside of the top ten. I'll take Liberty over any of them. Over over. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just so kidding. Eleven through twenty five. <laughs> yeah, eleven through twenty five. Liberty. It doesn't matter where. It doesn't matter when. It doesn't matter the weather. Liberty is taking them to the house. Uh, like all of the like. First of all, I, I I just think they deserve to be ranked because because of the wins they have and how they're winning their games. But also, I think this just goes to freaking show us how good of a coach he was. Before he left Ole Miss, and if he wasn't running some stupid prostitution ring, he would still be at Ole Miss, and he probably has won a couple of titles at this point. Hold on. A prostitution ring? Don't you remember all that stupid garbage? I thought they, yeah, I remember, obviously, the cell phone and the calling. I thought like he was just like a customer. Was he 
I'm she setting Spencer, stuff up Spencer, or are you being silly? Yes, Spencer. I was, okay. I, I was using hyperbole. <laughs> I was using hyperbole. Good God. Jeez Louise. But no. I thought you knew something that I didn't know. No, just the mixture of him using it and the mixture of using that lady as a recruiting tool. Like, because her yeah. service, because or not only was he a customer, but he was using that service to recruit players. Right, right. Sure. And, and so that's what I mean by prostitution ring. But, sure. uh, but no, I like, he, he, dude, he, it, it is showing right here how great of a coach and how great of a, of a mind of football he is. And I legitimately mean he probably could have a, an SEC, not, maybe even a national title from, at Ole Miss had he just not been doing this shady crap. Yes, yeah, so I believe the Auburn fans have already started to call for him, Ugh. and I wouldn't be surprised if another if there's another fan base that has. But I've definitely seen that the Auburn fan base is uh, is up to their eyeballs in frustration with uh, Gus Malzahn. So, right, what's your other reaction? Trevor Lawrence will not be the number one overall draft choice this upcoming draft season. Zach Wilson of BYU will be the number one draft choice for the 20, what, 22 draft class. The BYU quarterback is revitalizing BYU's pass-happy history, and he is uh, passing for more yards per game than Trevor Lawrence. He's got better efficiency. He's only thrown the one interception. He's, uh, he, I mean, the dude's got more yards. He is, he's on his way. Zach I'll Wilson add, over Trevor Lawrence, baby. I'll add this to it. BYU should be ranked in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how is that not there? I was just I was just noticed that as well. well I, I will oh, say that wait a they're in the uh, they're number twelve. I'm sorry, I know, but, but you I, said I, into the top ten. I got you. Yeah, they should be in the freaking top ten, man. Like, and, and look, probably what's probably the reason why Wilson isn't getting as much uh, as much talk about is let me let me look this up before I say it because I don't want to sound stupid. Is that All right. you? <laughs> well, well, I was going to say it's because of his height, but he's six three, so that's not it. Um, I do no, I'm with you, man. Zach Wilson. Yeah, I mean, in, in, Zach, in all honesty, he just doesn't have the year, the, the career under his belt that that Lawrence does. Well, he, well, he's about to because he's about to put up massive numbers. He's playing one in five Texas State this weekend, which weirdly enough, I'm going to be dialed into because I, I like I've loved watching Zach Wilson play for the last three years. Like I think the kid, I, I thought he was good the moment they talked about him, and he, like he, he he's really just what Chad Kelly at Ole Miss wanted to be. The kid was swagger, who could pl- who could make big plays, who could do it all. Like that, this is that kid. And and look, he he's he'll he'll get recognition come time of the of the draft because that's what always happens with these you know independent or these you know uh, uh, group of five schools. But I'm with you, man. Zach Wilson and BYU are legit. And if you think oh it's BYU they suck, you need to shut your face hole. <laughs> and you should go watch them play because, at least offensively, they've got some dudes on their team. Dudes. All right, uh, so those are the overreactions uh, for this week. I'm surprised yeah, you didn't have anything for Georgia, uh, and I guess we'll touch on them here in just a moment with their shortcomings against the Alabama Crimson Tide. But um, Big 12 preview to some degree that we wanted to do here, so we thought maybe we'd do it in sort of a, a tier-like structure. Um who is in your tier one versus my tier one? We both have Ohio State there, but you also feel like Penn State is in tier one. I do. Um, yes, I know they lost their starting running back for the year, but Noah Kane is a freaking beast. And I'm not saying that he's Saquon Barkley, but I'm going to say that he's closer to Saquon Barkley than, oh my gosh, how did I forget his name? Uh, the kid who just had Jerry to opt Brown? out. Yeah. Like, I, I love Brown. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, like, if you told me a ceiling, if you made me pick a ceiling for each running back, I would tell you that Noah Kane has that Saquon Barkley Heisman level potential, mm-hmm. and and that and that's because like I know that because of watching game film of this kid because I thought Georgia was actually going to get him, and uh, as far as recruit, and then, um, but I, I I understand that there you know Michael Parsons isn't playing this year, um he decided to not opt back in, but they've still got dudes everywhere on the defensive side of the ball. If you want to throw in that, that Clifford is the question mark. Okay. Like that, that's fine. 
but I still believe that the talent around him is 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 pretty darn great. And if you look at their offensive line, this is the first time in I think I think the number was like in three or four years. This is the first time that they are going to have an upperclassman laden O line to protect to protect their quarterback and to and to open up holes for the running game. I think that this is and and, and not to mention that they're bringing in the freaking genius offensive coordinator from Minnesota who who's taking over this year. And so for me. I think it is Ohio State, Penn State, and the rest of uh, the rest of the league. And I think this is a little bit of an SEC type thing, where it's kind of like, you know, Alabama, Georgia, maybe Florida, and then everyone else. I think it's kind of like that for me. Yes, Bama is better than Georgia, as we saw this past weekend, and Ohio State may be better than Penn State, but right now, I don't know for sure that they are better. And they play in two weeks, so we'll know. But I'm I'm putting I'm putting Ohio State and Penn State in the same tier right now. Yeah, and I guess my only hesitant there was the loss of Pearson, the loss of Brown. Um, I know that obviously everything you just mentioned about the offensive line. I know that there's a lot for Penn State uh, defensively as well that should be able to make up for Micah Pearson's not being there, or at least supplement better than maybe most teams would be able to absorb a loss like Michael Pearson. So. I get that those things are there. And two, Penn State has played Ohio State close under James Franklin. So, uh, you know, you you may be right there. Uh, Just a lot of the conversation around Ohio State is and has been that they're loaded, that they're ready to go. Uh, They did lose a lot last year, but, of course, you expect uh, that that team, that recruiting to, uh, you know, to just sort of recycle the guys back through or, um, you know, recirculate the guys back through that are there now and, you know, just spit them out ready to be starters. So I'm, I, I, I just Ohio have Ohio State uh, solo in that number one tier, but I don't hate Penn, I don't hate the idea of Penn State being in that number one tier. I really just – yes, Ryan Day is really good, okay? But Ryan Day is a first-year head coach going into his second year, and he oh. just lost Chase freaking Young. And two Several elite, other, uh, other and, draft and, and, and elite DBs and other elite players. And oh, by the way, J.K. Dobbins. So yep. let me listen. You put in the, I put him in the top tier as well because I, I've looked, you know, we're not stupid. But <laughs> I just, I just am not ready yet to sign off on the Ryan Day is the next, is just going to keep this Urban Meyer level of Ohio State afloat. And, and look, we, we can look at all their history, and they've only had, like, in the last 20 years, they've only had, like, one coach who was awful there. And so, like, I understand the track record follows, but they're coming off losing probably one of the most prolific defensive lines, like, since Indomitian Sioux. So I just want to chill on the whole Ohio State is just going to be this dominant force who can't be handled by anyone in the Big Ten, you know? Yeah, and I think there was a conversation that Barton and Bud commented on uh, today about being two touchdown victors in all of their games this year. And somebody else said, to be really bold, you could go three. And the response was kind of like, yeah, maybe. Like it wasn't a super far-fetched idea from these uh, Ohio State kind of writers or followers on 247 Sports, whatever it is, that, that yeah, maybe they'll, they'll, they'll beat teams by three touchdowns. That Maybe they'll beat Penn State and Wisconsin by – three touchdowns this year like that. I mean, there are people who are buying that kind of into this team. I'm not saying they're right or, and you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That hype. That's just an example of the height of the, of the hype. I, uh, sorry, I just got distracted by an email. Um, you're working I, while we're working. My goodness. I was listening. I listened to them as well. And, and look, Barton, Barton is all about Ohio state, even to the point of wanting to say that, you know, Ryan day may have been better for the, for Ohio state's, you know, Ohio State than Urban Meyer was. He didn't say that they that he was better than Urban Meyer. He just said that he may that Ryan Day may be better for Ohio State than Urban Meyer. Um, and because of Urban Meyer, you know, would lose a blowout game to Iowa or Purdue, you know, once a year type thing. Um, I it has like I believe in Fields. Like I want the Falcons to draft you know Justin Fields. Like I believe in the dude. I just again. Please let them let, let let's see what replaces these these elite players that took them to the playoff last year and see if they can replicate. Yes, their schedule is pretty freaking easy. 
but they in Happy Valley Week Two. Let's see what let's see what how we feel about them after that. I feel you, dog. All right. Uh, so the other difference in our tiers is we both had uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota, but I have Michigan. You like Indiana. I'm not completely sold on Michigan, but I had them there almost just out of habit, and I'm hanging on to, to Jim Harbaugh, even though that might be a loot, um, you know, a, a rotting limb to hang on to. Uh, talk me out of Michigan. They lost four offensive linemen. Uh. They lost. They have lost their top. They've lost their top four pass catchers over the last two years. Mm. Um, they they do not have a quarterback that seems good <laughs> yet as of right now. Um, and I just do not like their their defense is going to be the same defense that it always has been. Like it's going to be strong. It's going to be. It's going to stop the run, but it's going to be defeated by athletic, super athletic offenses and. Like I, 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 like I'm, I, I mean, I need to find their schedule because I, before I say this, I want to make sure I'm, I'm not speaking out of out of turn, dude. There's a, okay, thank you. I, I'm glad I'm seeing this. There's a legit possibility that they lose four games. They play at Minnesota this week, which I'm going ahead and telling you, I'm picking Minnesota to win. They're playing at Indiana, which is a toss-up game because I love me some Indiana this year. They they play Wisconsin, they play Penn State, and they play Ohio State. Yeah. Tell tell me one of those. Sure. T- tell me what of those games, like which of those games I just listed, to you is a definitive win for them. And I guess the if I had to, if you made me you, answer at least Indiana. one, I, yeah, it might be Indiana. If if you had to make me pick one, what what are the what are the other three? Minnesota, Mi- uh, Minnesota at Minnesota at Indiana, Wisconsin, Penn State, and Ohio State. That's possibly five losses, Spencer. Yeah, yeah. No, I see it. I see it. So that would make them what, uh, three and f- five on the season? They're only playing eight games. No, they're playing. Uh, yeah, you're right. They're playing eight. Well, they're playing nine because they're doing the whole like round robin tournament game thing. They're technically playing nine games, but the season is eight games long. Um, yeah, the regular like, season will be eight, and there'll be a bonus yeah. game. But like Dylan McCaffrey is gone. Joe Milton apparently is their starting quarter. Is going to be their starting quarterback this year, and he's six five, two forty three, a mobile quarterback. But I just don't know. I just don't know enough about him to say whether he's actually really good or not. But them losing all these dudes at wide receiver to me is the big, is the most damning aspect of Michigan football this year. And losing four starting offensive linemen, and also just nothing like. And, and I'm pretty dialed in to recruiting. I have not heard any like buzz of huge positivity about any recruiting class or any dude athlete that they've got coming in from the past year or two. I I am so down on Michigan that I I would almost like if I was a betting man I would almost bet money that they they're more likely to go five hundred than they are to go six and two. Right. Well, you know, I'm, I was sort of playing with the, the recruiting on the defensive side of things that they'll make yeah. things difficult there, mm-hmm. and that maybe and not maybe Joe, but that they'll lean on their run game. Uh, I I feel good about uh, Jalen Mayfield. Uh, a future first rounder who did come back uh, to the team who opted back in at right tackle that maybe he can anchor that front that they've been good up front all throughout Jim Harbaugh. So running the ball, playing the kind of defense that they do, uh, maybe they can be there, but taking them out of the, out of the, you know, not having them in that top second tier. I don't hate that either because there's obviously lots of question marks uh, that you obviously just pointed out. And Joe Milton has plenty of things that he has to prove uh, as well there at the quarterback spot. Um, just to list out my tier two really quickly, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Indiana. I I'm I really love what Minnesota what Wisconsin has coming back this year. Um, I think they're going to be I think they're going to be a legit legit team. Uh, there's just something about this Wisconsin team that whenever you research them, that feels a little different. Like they in the years past, I don't think they're going to be this only run heavy team. I, I think I think there's going to be some. Don't be surprised, Spencer here, but I think there may be some passing in their future mm. this year. Grant, uh, so Graham Mertz, this, buddy. Yeah, this is a really weird way to say this, but is the Jake Cohen not being available this year? Is that going to be sort of a blessing in disguise? For me, yes, because I don't know if you remember last year when we were recording. I thought Graham Mertz was going to get to play last year. 
I because because he was he's this gunslinger. He's got a freaking cannon of an arm. I thought he was going to come in and take the spot, but I forgot that I was dealing with Mark Richt 2.0 at Wisconsin, and that he's just going to stick with the upperclassman who's consistent and not put in the kid who can sling it. And so now Jack Cohn is not able to play, and Graham Mertz gets his chance, and. They play, like, I'm so excited for Friday night, man. Oh, my gosh. I just got super sad because I just realized that I have to go to this corn maze thing Friday night. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I'm not going to get to watch them play. Um, okay, well, I'll get to watch the second half. But Wisconsin plays Illinois. Yes, they're 20-point favorites and probably going to handle Illinois. But I would not be surprised if we don't see a more passing-type Wisconsin like we did with Russell Wilson being there than we, do, than we have in the years past. Yeah, I don't hate that. And then, of course, Minnesota has uh, their quarterback returning, P.J. Fleck, and obviously the um, the dudes on the outside. Yeah, yeah and uh, Bateman is his name there yep. on the outside. Of, From Tiff uh, County, Georgia. Yep, Tiff County, Georgia. So we're, we're definitely pulling for him uh, to be good there. Anybody else in the Big Ten that you're interested in seeing this year? Obviously, it'll be interesting to watch what um, Greg Schiano is able to do back at uh, back at Rutgers, are there any teams sort of below that that you feel good about challenging? Maybe Purdue a bounce back season after being down. Um, I, actually, Purdue Purdue's a team for me that I think is going to make some noise. Like I could easily see them getting getting somebody this year. You know, like really really beating somebody. Um, but it comes down to can they can can they get their playmakers the ball and also can their playmakers stay healthy? Rondell Moore is probably the best player in the country that no one knows about because of what happened because he was out all of last year. And this kid almost single-handedly beat Ohio State 2 years ago. I mean, do you, I mean you you agree, right? Like I'm not hyping him up too much. Like he's legit. No, yeah, Rondell Moore, that was sort of the reason that uh, Purdue was a little disappointing last year was that he was not uh he was not the guy last year that we saw him to be in 18. So, uh no, absolutely. That's um and they're getting to play, and they're three point underdogs to Iowa this weekend. Like that's a, that's a that's a that's one of those like, can the athletes and the speed of Purdue take out the corn eating white boys of Iowa? <laughs> you know, and like I'm, I, I can't tell you, man, how excited I am for this weekend. Like it's gonna be so great. I'm so like I was telling my I was telling my wife about this. And I was like, Lisa, I just need a nerd out about college football for a second. She's like, okay, what is it? I was like, I am more excited that the like I'm more excited to watch Big Ten football than I am the ACC, the Big Twelve, and maybe the Pac-12 combined. Like that is how excited I am to watch the Big Ten play football this year. Um, what about there was one other team that I thought I had in my oh, you mentioned Iowa. I feel like there could be trouble in Iowa if that locker room's not set. Yeah, man. Like I'm, I'm just. That's a, that. That's a good point. I've even thought about that. That's a weird situation, right? Like, yeah, because it feels like something recently, and I, I can't recall what the headline was that I saw, but something recently has happened uh, again. That oh, oh, like former players have come out and want uh, Kurt Ferentz to resign. Uh, I believe is the one of the latest things that's happened over there. So it, it hasn't died down. It hasn't gone away. They haven't, you know, put a band aid on it or or just fixed it in general. It still feels like it's very much a part of the conversation that people are not happy with how things have run under Kurt Ferentz to a degree, and it's sort of hard to believe that they're going to be able to to table all that and go play football at a high level. I think you're right. I think Iowa may be in trouble, man. And I didn't think COVID was going to, you know, COVID would protect most people, but this is sort of beyond COVID. He he might get it. I mean, they might they might let him go if yeah. this keeps coming down as as heavy as it seems to be coming down for the. Um, for him. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> this is so stupid. Do you remember that movie Dewey Cox with with John walk, C. Riley? You, you got the name of the movie wrong. It's called Walk Hard. Walk Dewey Hard. Cox story. The, the Dewey Cox story. And Jonah Hill's character, or I mean, their father says, the wrong kid died. Like, I wonder <laughs> if that, that's what the AD is. Like, his wife is saying to him every night, you fired, the, the wrong coach got fired. You know, like, what if Friends <laughs> yeah. is the one who needs to be fired? And right, so, and it wasn't we, Doyle. So, so it may be right. Like you, you may be, you may be right there, buddy. Yeah, I hate to be right about something like that, but ultimately, uh, it is what it is. And uh, I, I mean, if he, and if he's, and, and ultimately, I mean that if he's not running a uh, the right kind of program and has been unfair to people, uh, which is a light way to say it, then then you do have to go. Uh, I guess they need to have a swift end 
to this chapter of Iowa football, and you know, might as well just go ahead and uh, and cut it in half with a machete. You know, staying staying with Dewey Cox there. Mm-hmm. If Corey's if Corey's listening, he laughed at that. Yeah, he did because he we all love that movie very much. <laughs> so, all right, picks and then Georgia reaction or Georgia reaction and then picks because I feel like as two Georgia boys, we sort of have to eat a little something here. I just, I don't, I really, because I've talked so much about this with you and, and other people. I, I don't really have a lot to say that hasn't already been said. There, well, we is have no, to say it to our to our podcast. Th- so. You're you're right. You're right. There is nothing in that game. I've watched the game twice, and I've watched PFF breakdowns of it. There is nothing in that game that showed me that Georgia can't beat Bama. They meet each other talent for talent in a lot of ways, and yes, they have two of the best receivers like in the country. However, Georgia has two, like four or five of the best DBs in the country who just played bad or made bad posi- or made bad plays. Or hey, those two guys who are future NFL Hall of Famers just made elite plays. The the difference, the only difference to me between Bama and Georgia is who's playing under center. And Mac Jones is elite. Stetson Bennett is not. And it has taken me, or like it, it has taken me reading and listening to a lot of people for me to finally have someone say how I exactly feel about the Jamie Newman situation. And it was um, Seth Emerson today uh, who said on um, a podcast of Braden Gall that Jamie Newman is taller than Stetson Bennett, <laughs> has better arm talent than Noah Mathis, and unfortunately is healthier than JT Daniels. And, and and has the experience too that you would and, want, and, and has the experience. And so, yes, Jamie Newman would have been the answer at quarterback. No one knew that JT Daniels was going to have to have, like, basically have n- another surgery in January, and then ha- and then deal with clumped up scar tissue in his knee in August that was going to hinder him through the almost the entire month of September, and that he was just this past week leading into the Bama game practicing without a knee brace and able to start cutting and moving around. No one knew that except for people who obviously were on campus. And, but for Stetson Bennett to have seven balls knocked down and then throw three interceptions, those three interceptions, like Kirby smart said it best today in his press conference, the the interceptions aren't what he's upset about. It's upset about the other plays that didn't get intercepted because he thought he could make a throw that he can't make. And that is the problem with Stetson Bennett. He tries to make throws that he can't make. He did it against Tennessee, and we almost got burned for it. And he, we did get burned against Alabama because they're freaking Alabama, and they're great. And so for me, it, it, I, I didn't walk away saying, well, well, the season's over. We're not, there's no way we're winning the SEC this year. No. I said, okay, well, we need to get JT Daniels healthy. Like That is, that is what, what I said after the game, and we need to play better defense. Because even though we have the best defense in the country, we got scorched for over 400 yards. So I don't have. I'm sorry that I said I didn't have a lot to say. Then I said a lot, but that, that's all I've got. About well, and I, I agree a lot with what you said. And there's a lot of conversation about you know the dudes on the outside, Jalen Waddle and such, and that Georgia didn't have the guys making the plays on the outside. And and I think there was even a coach that mentioned it, it, the difference wasn't you know the quarterback; it was the dudes on the outside. And Georgia even said it too. Yeah, Georgia's receivers didn't make plays, and uh, the, uh, uh, the you know the uh, Alabama wide receivers did, and you know you go back through the film, and I think that that's a that's a new lens to look at college football through, and so I don't hate it. It's just new, but it can also leave out the fact that you still have to have a line of scrimmage that's you know you still have to have a quarterback that's being protected. And you still have to have a quarterback that is putting the ball where it needs to be uh, for Devontae Smith to be able to go up in the air in the back of the end zone and come down with a pass, even though he's covered. Because the Mm -hmm. ball's put in the right spot. uh, Jermaine Burton drops that touchdown pass off his shoulder pad because it's behind him and he has to slide a baseball slide down to the ground. And maybe that was one of the very few places that the ball could have been put. I'd have to go back and look, but I I I have a hard time believing that either. Like that, that one Burton should have caught. The one that I have more defense for Burton of is the tipped ball, like because it was it was high, it it was high, but the, like he should have caught the ball in the end zone. 
But but also at the same time, like he overthrew two tight ends the two plays before he he got the touchdown to Burton, and in the back of the end zone, which was the harder throw to make. And and also, hey, let's not ask Setson Bennett, who is definitely short and doesn't have the arm talent that we need him to have. Let's try not to ask him to throw the ball forty times when right. we're averaging five point seven yards per carry. Well, and then two, just back to you know the quarterback play. He there's two specific plays that I'm aware of where he misses James Cook wide open on the sidelines oh, yep. in the red territory because he, he throws he throws into the end zone into triple coverage and because it's triple coverage there Cook is on the sidelines wide stinking open he could have got on a on a you know a, a power wheel a hot wheel for a kid and drove it into the end zone from where he was at so he misses that play and then he. Uh, misses a, a, an underneath pass to Jermaine Burton on a ball that he throws down the field to a covered George Pickens. So, you, I mean, it is the quarterback play. I, I, I know that the it fancy is. lens to look through is to talk about the receivers, and that's important. It's not saying it's not, but the difference is quarterback. The guy who's pulling the trigger yeah. for those receivers to make those plays is still the quarterback. The ball doesn't just magically end up in your hands because you're 50 yards downfield with a little bit of room. Somebody has to throw that ball to you. Somebody has to protect for that quarterback to be able to throw the ball to you. Georgia protected well. Wide receivers were downfield. There were some opportunities that were open, and Stetson couldn't hit them. Oh, my so, gosh. The O-line did so good. The O-line yeah, did so freaking good. I thought we protected good. very well. The O-line did so good. that The pass block, the run block was so well done. Kendall Milton is going to be the starter by the freaking end of the year, man. Like, Zeus had a great game, but Kendall Milton is just a, like a, a – he's, he's Nick Chubb incarnate, man. Like, he just – or he may even be better. He may be Todd Gurley incarnate. Like he just he he just when he touches the ball, man, it's and you know Kenny McIntosh is so good as well. James Cook, if I'm James Cook, like I'm I'm annoyed even though I got that huge touchdown. Like I'm annoyed because I could have had two other ones had my quarterback not been five foot seven and unable to see me. Like just I I I did not walk away saying oh my gosh like we can't beat Bama. I walked away last year from the LSU game saying there is there is not a single situation I see. There's not a single injured player I see being on this team that could help us beat them. Like they are, they are unbeatable this year. I do not, I did not see that with this Bama team. I could be wrong, but I did not see that. One more uh, question to this past weekend: Who's in more trouble, Auburn or Tennessee? Tennessee, because of what's happened since then, with the firing of the of the defensive line coach. Yeah, and finding out that he fired him in the middle of the game. Oh, oh I missed that. Yeah, I did not fired, realize that he fired him in the middle of the game, and then just the, some of the stuff that he said after the, like some of the other stuff that he said this week, you know, talking about basically praising Bama to the point of making it sound like they have no chance, saying that the O line is fine, that the quarterback situation is, what did he say? He said the quarterback situation is the biggest question mark of question marks, and and then he returns the next day and says. We're not we're not turning our back yet on on Jarrett Garantano, like mm. like I, I said this I said this last year. I will be surprised if Jeremy Pruitt is the coach at Tennessee in five years. I'm I'm serious, man. I will be so surprised. Yeah, all signs pointed to things improving there at Tennessee, and that they had been winning games, and it it wasn't super impressive competition, but that they were winning, and that that was a good sign, and. Uh, all those different things, and they even started off the year with, you know, a promising run game, and Garantano looked good if he wasn't overwhelmed, and maybe that's just who he is. you got to keep him from being overwhelmed, and in the SEC, that you know, you're going to get overwhelmed from time to time. So, yeah, um, it might be the end already there in Auburn for, for Gus Malzahn, and they've got a future, but yeah, things are probably getting rocky uh, there at, uh, at uh, this is the beginning of the end there at, at Tennessee, maybe. Yeah. And that's a long way off. That that you know, that's what I mean. So, um, all right, picks for this week. Then anything from last week that you wanted to touch on? Notre Dame, uh, anything? Miami, uh, proud of them for getting, you know, bouncing back from a win. Usually they have a meltdown after a big loss. They've got a win. Yeah, okay. good, good on them. Notre Dame's in trouble. Like they're, yeah, that's all I have to say. Like we can talk more about them next week. In fact, let, let's let's kind of plan for that. Um, but I'll just say that I think they're in trouble. Uh, also, have you did you hear this story about why and uh, why Clemson has put like 120 points on Georgia Tech the last two years? No. So it was Barton and Bud that had it, 
apparently Georgia Tech at Clemson last year did their working out on the sidelines thing, but apparently they did it on the field, on Clemson's, you know, on the playing field. And the uh, that obviously got back to the coaching staff, and they put 50 on them last year, and they put 73 on them this weekend. Trevor Lawrence was 14 of 14 in the second quarter alone for 233 yards and three touchdowns. Don't, don't mess with a coach's uh, field, apparently. Yeah, dear Heavenly Father. Jeez. All right, uh, picks for this week. Uh, you want to start with North Carolina and NC State. Does the Wolfpack have a chance? Dave Doran sort of seems to have cooled off his hot seat uh, with a 4 and one start. They're doing a lot of things well, but they might not be doing anything spectacular. Can North Carolina bounce back from a weird loss to Florida State? Um, I think I think they can. I like Sam Howell just looked so bad in that first half against FSU. Um, yeah, how do you get may, them? How do you get more consistent? Yeah, like that may be the, that may have been the worst half of football I've seen him play since since he started last year. Um, I expect them to bounce back heavily. But, like, that may be one of those games where, like, it's a rivalry game, obviously, and the team with the better talent may come out, you know, a little pissed off because they just lost. But they may they may be coming off too high of emotion, and NC State may, may, may just play better sound football. And this game could be really close going into the fourth quarter. But, like, I just don't know who's going to stop the receivers at North Carolina. Those guys are just legit, you know. We saw that, especially in the second half against FSU. So I'm I'm going to go North Carolina, but it's kind of one of those games where I'm not necessarily confident. But but I'll I'll say UNC. Yeah, I like North Carolina as well. Uh, I just not like you mentioned earlier at the beginning. Not really going to give up on Sam Howell just yet. Not going to give up on the two wide receivers who are averaging 100 yards uh, a game right now, receiving Carter uh, and and Williams. And I think there's even um, another guy that has been, or excuse me, those are two running backs on the ground that are averaging, averaging 100 yards. It feels like they've found like another wide receiver that's doing really well for them also. So they've got some guys, uh, a lot of different guys that they're mixing in, that they're using to go downfield. And uh, so if, if they can just find a way to get consistent, and maybe this was a wake-up call, the, the loss to North Carolina, the surge in the second half, or the loss to Florida State, the surge in the second half that came up short. Maybe that'll be a wake-up call, and, and they'll be able to find it. But I, I do think the talent edge North Carolina has will will prevail. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> how many uh, how many touchdowns does Ohio State beat Nebraska by this oh. weekend? The only reason to put it on the schedule was just to sort of talk about the, the, the punishment that is coming Nebraska's way. Do they stand a chance at all of pulling – you know, uh, pulling on the coattails of, of 2020 and saying, hey, can I get a favor here, Mr. 2020, and, uh, and upsetting Ohio State? Um, Martinez is still there, isn't he? Martinez, yeah, and he's a dude, man. I, like, this season, Nebraska may have <laughs> written a check their butt can't cash. Yeah, because their, exactly schedule, their schedule is just, like, it's like the ninth ring of hell this year. Um. But also, like, I'm starting to think Scott Frost may be in trouble at Nebraska, bro. Uh, um, not easy to recruit there. No, it's not. Um, I'll never forget that 300-mile radius stat that, that I read yeah. about recruiting in three stars or four stars, whatever it is. I'll never forget that. I'll say this. Ohio State wins, but I don't think they cover. Because I'm, I'm also thinking about the, just the god-awful football that we saw the first week with all the ACC, the – Big 12 and the SEC and how bad it just looked in the first week. I could see an ugly game where like they win handily, you know, by like 19, but I don't, I don't, I don't see them covering 26 point spread against. Well, now I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask, it feels like the big 10 while they were not playing, they were still able to practice. Does it speak anything to you that maybe they've had a little bit of a longer runway to ramp things up to get ready to play? They were still able to practice during a lot of that. Maybe not everybody, but I believe some teams were still able to practice through, you know, during that time that they weren't playing football. Um, and even before that, they might have been practicing as well, at least doing something with their programs. 
Maybe, but I were also, if I recall correctly, like there was there was definitely some some like still not hitting stuff, and you know you know what I'm saying. Like I, I think there's still there were still a lot of things that were restricting them. So I'm I'm, I'm still going to say that um, that I don't think they're going to be necessarily ahead of anybody yeah. or ahead of these other programs. I, I think they win, but I still think that the the, the they will ha- they will struggle like to cover. A twenty-six point spread. So uh, give me, definitely give me Ohio State as well uh, on on that one with Nebraska. So we got a defensive showdown in the Big Twelve. Is that correct? Is that what I'm seeing here? With number twenty <laughs> versus number seven, uh, Iowa State and Oklahoma State, two teams that are playing very good defense, holding teams to under a hundred yards rushing, two point, you know, under three yards per carry for each team against the rush as well. Um, how do you feel Iowa State, Oklahoma State, the Cyclones, and the Cowboys? I'm not changing. I'm sticking to my guns. I'm sticking you, with the mullet. I'm gonna stick with the. I'm sticking with the mullet. He ain't let me down yet. Let's go. They haven't played in six weeks. Let's get a game in. Let's play. <laughs> Spencer Sanders actually may be back to play this week. Chuba Hubbard is a dude. He's going to run for like 3,000 yards this week. Give me Oklahoma State. Let's go, boys. I'll go Chuba as well, but I'll go Chuba's brother, Brock Purdy. Give me Iowa State. They get after the quarterback. I think they have 13 sacks so far this year. Um, I believe Oklahoma State has given up um, uh, nine sacks on the season. So I'm, I'm, that's a little bit of an edge. And I feel like, too, that Iowa State has maybe been in some of these lower scoring dog fights that that's going to be brand new to, to Oklahoma state to some degree. They've been in a little bit already this season, but feels like this will be a, a little bit new for them. And you, you're right. Spencer Sanders might be the, the equalizer here. So I could be wrong, but I like for, um, I feel like there's more pieces on this offense that are working right now for Iowa state. And surprisingly, Oklahoma state is still finding their offense. Okay. Right on. All right, so uh, Michigan and Minnesota. Uh, I feel like I know that you're going to go with Minnesota here. Uh, I feel as though that I'll be leaning that way also. But is there? Uh, how do you feel of a uh, Michigan Minnesota matchup this weekend? That Minnesota is uh, an underdog in the, the the two concerning things because I can't be ignorant to this is the people the the dudes that they lost Minnesota lost on defense. And losing their offensive coordinator, like that is not that is not something that I will you know wave off. I just believe the better quarterback, the better like I I just believe in their offense. I believe it. I believe in the unit. If I believe in one unit, it's the Minnesota offense, and I believe that they are going to be better at home. First game of the year, they're gonna be fired up, and they're gonna they're gonna handle business. And I I think it's like. It's a joke to me that Michigan is a three-point favorite. It is a joke to me. And so if you're a betting man or a woman, go lay some money down on Minnesota because they're about to win this game. Yeah, give me Minnesota as well. There's just too many question marks around uh, Joe Milton uh, and what he's going to be able to pull off. I like the running game of Michigan. I think they'll keep it close with a tough defense. But ultimately, when you need uh, offensive uh, offensive plays made – I think you're like you said. You have to lean towards uh, the defensive side of things for, or the offensive side of things for uh, the Golden Gophers. But part of me says Joe Milton might surprise everybody. Part of me says that, that very Joe well Milton, could happen. Yeah, yep, that Joe Milton will surprise. And if there's a, any opportunity to do it, hey, maybe it's it's coming right out of the gate here. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, All right, last. Go ahead. I just was going to throw a game in there before we pick this last one. Uh, just we don't have to break it down or anything like that. Just two games: Auburn, Ole Miss, and Oklahoma TCU are two games that I will definitely be dialed in in at noon because I think TCU wins and I think Ole Miss wins. Um, but well, you know, Ole Miss definitely wins. Yeah, I think I think while Auburn's defense might not be awful, it hasn't faced a you know. They weren't super great against Georgia's uh, offense, and so this is going to be a, a recharged uh, uh, Ole Miss. So yeah, give, give me Ole Miss there, and um, and then TCU and who? 
Uh, TCU and Ole Miss. Or, or TCU and Oklahoma. Mm, that would be a good one, too. I like it. All right. Uh, Cincinnati, SMU is the last game I had written down. Bearcats, Mustangs, number 17, SMU. Uh, Cincinnati, I believe, is ranked as well. Just not off the top of my head do I know where they're ranked at. They're but... ranked high, bro. Oh, yeah, they're number nine. I don't know why that's not written down on my the, notes. The they are number nine. The fact they're ranked higher than BYU is is hilarious to me. But, but yeah. Um, dude, I think, I think SMU wins this game. Mm, give me the Bearcats, baby. Too much defense. Shane Bichelle is about to come out here and throw for a bazillion yards. No, sir. Not against that Bearcat defense, baby. All right. Slow your roll and watch your mouth, jabroni. Shane Bichelle is about to throw legitimately. He's going to throw for three. He's going to throw he, his he, arm into the face mask of a blitzing linebacker. No, get ready for this. He's about to throw for 340. Ulysses Bentley the fourth, which sounds like a Civil War general, is about to <laughs> is about to run for about a buck twenty. No. And they're gonna dude, they're gonna win this they're gonna win this game by like 17. No. Just watch. Lies, fairy tales, and fallacies. Well, the only fallacy is your face. All right. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. It's not supposed to make sense. Well, apparently not. Uh, give me the Bearcats. So, uh, any other games for this weekend? Uh, there is Kansas State, Kansas. That's usually a rivalry, but not Ugh. a lot of luster around it. Can't believe you mentioned that game. Uh, uh, Hawaii and Fresno State are playing their first games of the season. Wow, Western uh, football. Yeah. Um, Minnesota, or not Minnesota, Wyoming, Nevada, Utah State, Boise State. Uh, I'm just listing teams who are playing their first games of the season. Sure. Um, also, man, we didn't mention Baylor, Texas. Oh, uh, Baylor all day, please. Baylor, Baylor by 50. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> no, but, but for real, Baylor, Baylor all day. Sam Ellinger will, will help manage better than that. But yes, uh, Baylor all day. Uh, yeah, I don't. I'm. I'm not. I'm completely and totally sold on on Texas. Yeah, I'm. I'm with you. I agree. All right. Uh, just uh, scrolling through Tulane, UCF could be interesting. Tulane's played uh, some interesting football. Penn State, Indiana is also this week. Uh, that could be fun. That's a nice. Uh, I won't say it's a nice warm up game for Penn State. It could be trouble uh, for them there in week one. Houston Navy. Iowa Purdue again will be an interesting thing to keep an eye on just to see what Iowa does. How together are they uh, on the football field? South Carolina LSU, Rob, could South Carolina get above five hundred this weekend against LSU? Yeah, and unfortunately, the situation that I didn't think was possible may be coming to fruition, where all all Muschamp needed was an actually decent OC that he's that he is allowing to do his job. Yes. A lot of people have sort of talked about, I've heard the comment made, well, now he can trust his offensive coordinator. Well, what do you call hiring Kurt Roper again for the second time from Florida to South Carolina? So I don't, I think the trust factor when we talk about uh, Will Muschamp is, is somewhat different. I think maybe he was trusting Kurt Roper to let, you know, trusting that he could control Kurt Roper, and now he's brought somebody in. Maybe he's evolved a little bit and brought in a guy like Mike Bobo that he trusts that he doesn't have to control or doesn't have to keep a close eye on to do what he wants to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. So, yeah, I, I like that tandem there in, uh, in South Carolina as well. They haven't been super fantastic necessarily, but they're capitalizing on opportunities, and that's a and big he's deal. Getting, the quarterback's getting better each week. Yeah, he's looking better each week, man, and that's all you can really ask in a year of COVID. Is can your team start looking better every single week? Got to catch some balls there for for South Carolina. Got to get the pass catchers right. Cy Smith got, or whatever his name is, is a yeah, dude, he's good, man. but he he's got some drops under his belt. Uh, um, weirdly enough, I've watched a little bit of South Carolina this year, and it just seems like the pass catchers are the issue right now for them, but. Um, LSU is going to be starting a freshman quarterback for the first time in a long, long time. So, um, you know, they, they, they might be in trouble there against South Carolina this week. All right. Uh, uh, anything else for this week or for last week or just any other notes that you had to, to unload? No, man. Um, next week we'll talk more about Notre Dame though. 
Um, I just don't think we, we didn't have time for me to go through that this uh, this game or this week. Uh, I, I am I'm beyond excited for this weekend. I don't have anything planned for Saturday. I'm going to be dialed in. There's 40 games this week. Ooh. First time, first time we've been over like 27 games all week. That's that's going to be big. I mean, all year. So yeah, let's do this. Very good. He's Robbie. I'm Spencer. Be sure to uh, like, rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate uh, everybody following along and uh, being patient with us as we uh, put this thing together. Uh, just two friends, one love, and that is college football. We'll catch you on the flip-flop later. Later.